Okay, well, let's head where we're going for today, all right? We're going to pursue a theme here that's going to deal with really not wasting our time or being a good steward of our time. So we're going to call this Our Times, His Hands. Our Times, His Hands. And we're going to be in Psalm 31. So if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, that would be great, all right? We'll be there momentarily. Uh, But just like we usually do, I'd like to talk here with you initially. So I want to ask us a question and give you guys a chance to answer this, and then I'll share some things that other people have said as well. Um, But when you think about your life, all right, thinking about using our time wisely, what are some things that cause you to use your time poorly? What are some things that happen in your life that cause you, cause me to use our time poorly? TV, okay. Pain, yes. Age. Facebook, all right. Pain and age go together, all right. Kids. Anything else that causes us to use our time poorly? Ma'am? Poor judgment, okay. Right. Multitasking to the point where you bounce from one thing to another and don't get anything done. Good. Anybody else here? What, what in your life causes you to... Easily distracted. Okay. Yeah, I looked up the top ten and you guys have listed like half of them. All right. So that makes us normal, whatever that means. Anybody else have one before I share some of these? What causes you to be to use your time poorly? Ma'am? The porch swing. The porch swing, yeah. I was just something about that. It can just you can stay there all day, couldn't you? Nice cool evening or cool morning. Oh man. I love the porch swing. That may not be a waste of time, right? <laughs> okay. True. Yeah, there could be truth there. Nope. Okay, changed your mind. Yes. Homework. <laughs> now there's probably some truth to that, right? Work that's just given as busy work has no real value. Very good. Yeah, so what's the point of it? All right. I like your thinking. <laughs> I think in my own life, some things that have caused me to use my time poorly has been my own fears. Or just worry. You know, you just get, I get where I sometimes don't do anything because I'm so concerned if I do, then I'm misstepped and I really mess it up. And, and so what I end up doing is using that day really poorly, basically. The Bible does tell us not to worry. Sometimes I still do. Right? Do you? Yes. No? All right. Anybody else worry? Oh. (laughs) Now there's good concern, but it could also be semantics. Right? We could just play the Christian card and say I'm concerned when really I'm super worried. I'm trusting myself rather than my God. Well, good. Well, let me share some of these and maybe these... Oh, yeah, that's, that's true for me or maybe not at all. Here's, here's some things that uh, people just like you and I have said can work against us when we try to use our time well. For some, it's failing to keep a to-do list. 
I don't think everybody's wired that way. Like some people, a to-do list probably stresses you out. Right? Some people have good memories. But for some of us, having a to-do list feels valuable. Right? We feel lost without it. Now, I remember my pastor in West Plains, Missouri, whenever you'd walk out of the service uh, on a Sunday morning, he had in his pocket this little notebook and a pen or a pencil. And as people walked by, when they shared things about you know, maybe something going on in their life or a kid's baseball game or something that was coming up, he'd pull that out and he'd write it down. And you'd see him every morning in his office. He'd open that up and he'd start looking at his day and then check things off, right? So he wouldn't forget. So for me, that's helpful. Is that helpful for anybody else, a to-do list? Cause you to use your time wisely if you keep it. Uh, not setting personal goals was another one they, they listed. Uh, not prioritizing can cause us to use our time wisely, or not use it wisely, rather. Failure to manage distractions. I think we had distractions, all right, so... I'm there as well. If you're ever on a computer very often, uh, if you have multiple tabs open at the same time, it's easy to get distracted. And so sometimes as I, I'm probably 90% in front of a screen. So when I'm looking at a screen, I'm studying or I'm writing, but then pops up an email you just received. And so I read the email, and sometimes the email, I need to do some research. And so I research, and it deserves a reply. So I send a reply, and I've spent 30 minutes distracted. Right, from what I was just trying to do there. So maybe you find yourself struggling with some distractions. Procrastinating. Anybody else there? All right. Why do today what can be done tomorrow? Put it off. Uh, taking on too much. You ever been there? Just too much on your plate and so you can't get anything done very well? Or thriving on busy. I think those two could possibly go hand in hand. You know, some people, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes people ask you, how are you doing? And what do they say? Oh, I'm busy. Life's so busy, right? Uh, and that could be a source of pride. Sometimes you feel like if you're busy, you're important. Multitasking, that was listed here earlier, doing too many things at one time or trying to. What about not taking breaks? You know they recommend, experts who study how we work, recommend every hour taking a five-minute break. So go get a cup of coffee, Take a walk. Just If you're seated, get up out of your seat, whatever. Just do something to try to get yourself refreshed. Go sit on the swing for five minutes, all right? which turns into 50. Uh, but just get yourself a little break. You'll find that you are prepared to better use your time. And then um, just not scheduling tasks very well. When do you do your best work? Morning or afternoon or evening? So most of I heard morning. Most people, morning people. Okay, nope. Somebody else, if it's not morning, what is it for you then? Midnight. Okay. Is that called sleep? Okay. <laughs> right, okay, so I'm a morning person too, so I can track from 6 to noon real well, and for whatever reason, when my clock hits 1, it's just like I start to drag, and it's a mental thing. Physically, I feel fine, but I feel like I've got to, I'm behind all of a sudden. If I didn't get done what I should have that morning, it's, I feel that way. So, sir, it has to be awful important to do it today, huh? That's right. Okay, <laughs> we like that mentality. So, all this stuff can work against us, right? And trying to use our time wisely. And everybody has uh, something within you or within your family or built within your DNA that seems to work against you. Uh, so, what we're talking about today then is how do we 
battle these things, what are some things we can do to work to steward our time well? And we're going to use the guy named David, King David out of Psalm 31. And we're going to find him there struggling just like we do with life. Right? Facing some things that were beyond his control. Uh, he was concerned, so to speak. Uh, probably more worried than concerned, but he was then also looking to God for his source of help. So Psalm 31, if you'd like to go there, let's talk here today about our times, his hands, and our response. All right, we're going to read this whole chapter here, 24 verses. Our times, his hands, God's hands, and our response. It says, In you, Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. And turn your ear to me. And come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge and a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. And keep me free from the trap that's set for me, for you are my refuge. And into your hands I commit my spirit. And deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless, worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. And I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. You've not given me into the hands of the enemy, but you've set my feet in a spacious place. So be merciful to me, Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I'm the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I'm forgotten as though I were dead, and I've become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side, and they conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord, and I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant and save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I've cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. But how abundant are the good things that you've stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. So praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all His faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to Him, but the proud He pays back in full. So be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. All right, we read those last four verses as part of our Scripture reading this morning, just trying to connect everything together that we're going to talk through here uh, in our time together. So a few things that we'll highlight from this text specifically will be in verse 14 and 15, where we look at my times, His hands, in verse 14, talks about his trust or his response in, in God. So if you'd like to follow along in your bulletin, you can. Feel free to write on that. Use it however you would desire. All right. So number one is this. To use our time well, we're going to start by remembering that God knows our times. 
Right? Remember that God knows, He's aware of our time. So here in this text, when David writes, my times, that word times is referring to uh, how we cannot control all things. Our instability in life. How things continue to change and they're just simply unpredictable. Uh, how many of you think you know what you're doing today? Anybody have plans today? We're going to sit here and try to be refreshed in the Lord and respond with commitment to Him however He draws our heart. We're going to go from this place and then what have you got planned? Nothing? Lunch? Hospital? Nothing? Swimming? Great-granddaughters having an, an engagement party? Alright, so we've got plans, right? Have you ever had a plan that you never were able to get to? I had it planned for the day, but it just didn't happen. And we were talking this morning, one of the teachers were over at Maryville, a good friend of his, his wife was killed in a, in a wreck. A semi hit their van. They have seven children and the wife was killed. She was just on her way to the next plan. Right? Just going to do the next thing. Stopped at a stop sign just like everybody else is supposed to. Take off. It was her turn and she gets hit. Um, did she plan that? No. So here when David's writing about my times, that's what he's talking about. Right? These things that are unpredictable, they're uncontrollable, these changes that are inevitable, they're going to happen. I just don't know when, and I'm not real sure what I'm going to do when it happens. And so there's a sense of anxiety here. My times. So when you think about your times, they may be a little bit different this morning, but what I want you to understand, me as well, is we need to remember that God knows our times. Okay? So whatever that thing that's coming that you and I know nothing about, God knows all about it and He's ready for it. This week, I was sitting in a chapel and just felt totally unprepared. And I just started praying, God, you've got to help me here. I wasn't speaking. I was just like this whole week, I felt unprepared. And what began to speak back in my heart was, you're okay because I am prepared. And I felt like, I need to be planned for the next two or three weeks. And what came back was like, you're okay because I have a plan. Right? So it's not that we don't plan and prepare. We don't do our best work. It's that God knows what's coming and I can trust more in His plan and preparation than in what I feel like I'm in control because I've got this planned and I've got this prepared. So David had moments like this in his life. One moment, we read about it here today, one moment he was cherished as king and in the very next moment, he's being pursued by his son. Why? His son wants to be king. How does that happen back in the day? Dad's got to die. So I'm going to pursue dad and kill him. So one day he's cherished, and the next day he's being sought uh, to have his life taken. Okay? The instability of life. This is part of the my times that David references there back in verse 15. My times, he says, are in your hands. So deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who would pursue me. And so what are some things that might be like our times? What are some things that are my times or your times that are unchangeable? Things that we just don't see coming. Anybody ever lost a job and you never anticipated that that would happen? 
I thought I'd work here, 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 and then the next thing I know, I'm out of a job. Right? That was my dad's story. 28, 29 years at Staley's. Goes to work one day, gate's locked, you can't get in, you're done. Total life shift. All right? Kind of wandering, trying to figure out what next steps look like. Yes, ma'am, that's right. Over here at uh, Roselawn. Yeah. I was talking to a friend this week. Uh, I shared this at our, at our meetings this week. was told this past week, you've got two weeks to decide what you're going to do. You can either relocate, and we'll relocate you to these three or four places, or you're out of a job. Two weeks, figure out what you want to do. You've got kids just starting school, and you're trying to take care of a house and family and all sorts of things, and it's, there was no announcement. There was no foreshadowing of this coming. It was just, bam, here you go. His times. All right? What are some things in your life that you would consider your times? You ever had a financial setback? Felt like you were saving and saving and all of a sudden you're hit with a doctor bill that just wipes out everything? Or you're hit with an, a mechanic bill? Whatever it is, you just, you just find yourself in a setback or something happens in life and you just find yourself just financially ruined almost. And it just happens like that. I didn't see that coming. That could be part of your times. What about somebody close to you who's just passed away? Ever had that happen? With somebody you care about, somebody in your family or friend, and it was just, they were here and they were gone. How many times have you been in a church or at a funeral home just saying to yourself or to other people, I was just talking to them the other day. I mean, we, we were together just the other day. And I just, it's just like, Surreal. I can't believe they're not here. Right? Life has a way of just causing us to shift. So our times can be overwhelming. Our times can create concern or worry or anxiety in us. And we read some of that there in David. Uh, he's talking about the anguish of his soul, the affliction of his body, how he felt like his bones were crushed. They were just melting like wax within him. He's just broken over his times. So what do we do? What helps you and I use our time well when we know that life can be unstable? I mean, that can be paralyzing, can it? Where I don't even want to try anything because at any moment, something can happen. And so I don't want to start out in this adventure and then all of a sudden, something happens and now I'm you know, really up a creek here. I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling. It can be very immobilizing. Well, here's what he says in Psalm 31, verse 7. David says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. My times, anguish. My times, affliction. But why is he rejoicing here? Why is his heart glad with love? He's glad because God knew. And so he reminds himself here, you saw my affliction. You knew the anguish of my soul. So what about your next step that is unplanned, that's going to happen, does God not know about? Is there anything in an unstable world that catches God off guard? Where He's like, oh man, I didn't anticipate that happening. Now what do we do? I didn't think they were going to make that decision. Now how are we going to figure this out? No, and so David's trying to refresh himself here. Like we said earlier, there are things that cause us to stagger in using our time well. 
And here, for it was anguish of heart. It was the afflictions in his life, things working against him. But what motivated him to compel him to keep going was the thought here that God knew his time. And we sing this a couple times this morning. I have a maker. He formed my heart. When? Before even time began, my life was in His hands. What's the two next words? He knows. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. He hears when I call. Right? Does that comfort you this morning to know that the Father knows about your times. He knows what's coming next for you. He's not caught off guard. He's ready. He'll meet us there. Grace is there. Support is there. Comfort's there. Help is there. And so though it's going to happen, and we've all got stories that we could share of how life shifted on a dime in a hurry, we could also hopefully share that God met us there as well. And there was a peace, or there was a comfort, or there was a, a support or guidance there's a comforting fact in the truth that God knows. We also sing about it in um, that third song we sang this morning. Right? Those verses talk about everything I don't know. I don't know about tomorrow. Right? I just live from day to day. And it goes on and on and on. And of course, there's many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but what? But I know. And that's very important. That's a big but right there. Lots of things I don't understand, but I know. But I know. And sometimes you've just got to know some things. And so when we think about using our time well, and we know how when things pop up can cause us to stagger in how we use our time, know that God knows your times. Know that He knows my times. Remember, God knows our times. All right, let's progress there. Secondly, this morning here, as we think about using our time well, to do so here, David's going to tell us we need to get to know the author of time. Okay, all these things we listed that cause us to struggle, all right, from distractions and multitasking and pain and being tired, homework, uh, all sorts of stuff we've listed here, what we find is when our perspective is right and our focus is where it should be, then we're preparing ourselves to endure our times. We're preparing ourselves to use our time well. And so let's get to know the author of time is how we're going to say it today. Revelation 22, and I believe it's also in Revelation 1, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and, and the end. Okay? Both of those things speak to a parameter. Right? And that parameter here, that boundary is time. So was there I am before there was in the beginning? Did God exist before Genesis 1? Yes. Okay. Will God exist after time ends? Okay. So what do we call that about God? That's His quality of He is... He's all of those. Yeah, that's right. It's His eternality, right? He's eternal. So He's always been past. He'll always be future. And even within the boundary of time. Um, 
We sang about it again this morning. I'm just reminded of that first song. Um, age to age he stands and time is in his hands. How much of it? Beginning and the end. Beginning and the end. You remember that? How great is our God? Right? So just reminding ourselves that he knows our times, but also here getting to know the God who knows our times. Right? So he is not limited by our 90 days or 100 days or years rather, 100 years. He's outside of time. God's eternal nature is one of those things that can just, I can't understand that. I get it like by definition, but in reality, like what does that existence, what is it like? I can't, I can't fathom that. And I understand I had a beginning and I'll have no end, but I can't understand having no beginning. And knowing, does that ever just mess with your mind? Uh, I mean, theologically speaking, I could write down a definition, but to where I like, where I can understand it, and it just makes full sense to me, is beyond my capability. So there are a lot of characteristics like that as it relates to God. Some of those that were listed here, all the omnis. It's hard to understand a God who knows all things when we're very limited. It's hard to understand a God who can be everywhere when we can't be everywhere. Right? And so we struggle with this. It's hard to understand a God who never changes because we change. Our thinking may evolve. Our feelings may shift. I mean, we're talking here about the times that we live in. Our times are very unstable because they often change, and yet God never does. So these are things we know, but to try to understand them can be difficult. However, just because I may not fully know every ounce of what it means for God to be eternal doesn't mean I can't know anything about God being eternal. Right? So all we're saying is we can get to know God more today than we did yesterday. I can read more of God's Word today. I can study after others who have an understanding of God. We can have conversations. We can pray and increase our level of understanding or grow in depth of knowledge just as Paul prayed by taking time to go to God's Word growing in depth of understanding of the author of time. And so David lists a bunch of things in this psalm that he understood about God that gave him comfort in his times. And so these aren't on the wall, but these are in Psalm 31. Uh, if your Bible's open, you can track there, but you don't have to as well. Here's some things that he says. In verses 1 and verses 9, um, 19 and 20, David says, God is my refuge and God is my shelter. Okay? So he's talking about things that are going to help him keep going on, doing what he should do, his times, using his time wisely. Here's some things he says, knowing the author of time helps me do that. He's my refuge. He's my shelter. Verse 1 says he's righteous. And verse 23 says he will judge righteously. And so there's some guidance. There's some comfort there. Verse 2 and 3, he's my rock of strength. Verses 2 and 22, he hears and he answers prayer. And that was comforting there for David. Verses 2 and 3, he's my stronghold, he's my fortress. Verse 4, he says he's my source of strength. Verse 5, he says he's the God of truth. And 7, 16, and 21, he says he's a God of loving kindness. Verse 7, he says he's all-knowing. Verse 9, he says he's gracious. Uh, verses 9 through 13, he talks about how he will not cast off those who've been rejected. Verse 19, he talks about how there's a bunch of good things that he has stored up for those who fear him. And so David here is reminding himself of who God is. 
Okay, and it's given him courage. It's given him just some motivation to keep going uh, even though he is afflicted. He has anguish of soul. His bones feel like they're crushed or melting within him. And so when he thinks about his times, he doesn't just stay there. And sometimes I do. You? Worry sets in. Fear sets in. Anger sets in. Frustration sets in. Feelings of I want to quit. I want to give up. This is dumb. I'm not doing this. That starts to set in when we just focus on my times or our times. What David says here is, my times are where? In your hands. My times are in your hands. Alright? We sing that as well. My life is in your hands. So we all have our times. But the truth is, guys, this morning all of us have access to His hands. All of us have access to God as a refuge as a fortress, to His knowledge, to His strength, to His abundant goodness, to His unconditional forgiveness. We have access to this God. And so one of the things that will help you and I navigate our time well is by reminding ourselves of who the author of time is. Here again, let's list some things. This is verses uh, 19. How abundant, we just said it, are the good things that you've stored up for those who fear you that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. And so here again, David's reminding himself of the goodness of God, even though he's struggling. You also see in this psalm here, like verses 6-8, through eight, you'll see he is uh, refreshing himself in the Lord. The first verses talk about his distress, and then he finds relief. And then back in verse 9, you find him all stressed out again. 9-13. to 13. And then you find in the rest of the chapter, ah, oh, but this is who the Lord is. You ever do that? Ever feel like sometimes I've given this over to the Lord just to take it back? And in a moment, I trust you with this, and I feel like I've given it over to you, and then a few hours later, and I've taken it back. And I'm stressed, and I'm worried, and I'm trying to figure it out. David was just like us. And the, the beautiful thing here is God knows that about us. He knows our times. He knows we're wired and we're made up that way. And He's drawing us to know Him as well so that we can navigate our time well. And so God's hands are good. And what he says here is, they're a blessing for those who fear Him, for those who have entrusted their lives to Him. And so to get to know God, here we're talking getting to know, or how to use our time well, we want to get to know the author of time. And let's go third here. For us to use our time well requires us to trust God's timing. So if God knows our times... And God is always ready and able with His hands. Doesn't it just stand to reason that we should wait for His timing? Right? Rather than trying to hurry it along or rather than trying to get out of something, rather than trying to run ahead of God. Do you remember when David had the opportunity to promote himself in the cave with King Saul? David wasn't king at this point. He was next in line. He knew it. King Saul's in pursuit of David and he can't locate him and he's finding some relief in a cave and David slips up. 1 Samuel, is it 4.24? And cuts off part of his robe. You remember that? And the people who were with David says, oh look, the Lord has given him into your hands. Now's the time for you to be exalted as king. Why didn't David go ahead and take Saul's life? I mean, he was the next anointed king. Why didn't he do it? That's exactly right, because it wasn't God's timing. 
So he would not run ahead of God here and try to take something into his own hands. He was willing to wait the timing of God. For you and I today to use our time well, we've got to learn to trust God's timing. David says in verse 14, he says it elsewhere in this psalm as well, I trust in you, Lord, and I say you are my God. So all those things he listed that were his times, where he lands and ends, is I trust in you, Lord, and I say that you are my God. Now, you think that for David, men, I'll just kick back and wait for your timing? I'll just struggle on through. Lord, you take your time in this persecution. You take your time in making me the next king. You take your time in you know, dealing with my son. Just go ahead and take your time, Lord, and I'll just endure it. No. Right? Waiting God's timing doesn't mean that we can't ask for Him to move or ask Him to, to move, to act on our behalf. And so here's what He says. Turn your ear to me and come how? Quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge and a strong fortress to save me. Um, since you're my rock and you're my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Right, so it was okay for David to, to cry out in the middle of that for something to happen quickly. And that didn't negate his trust in God. Now, when you back that up, verse 2, he's asking God something. Come quickly to my rescue. So he's asking, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. And then here he's declaring something. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Sounds like double talk. Come be this, but you are this. Right? Come be this, but you are this. And it's not double talk. What he's doing is, I know who you are, and so in my current situation, I'm asking you to come and be this. This is who you've been in the past. I'm in a difficult situation again. My times, and I'm entrusting my life into your hands, asking you again to be God in this situation. And so I'm trusting your timing. So from David here, what I learn is that I can wait his timing. That is God. And I can trust His timing. And I can trust my times into hands knowing that His timing will be right. His timing is purposed. Uh, and so I don't have to fret. I don't have to try to make things happen. I can do my part using my gift, fulfilling my role, however you want to say it, while I trust God with His timing. Easier said than done sometimes. But what was working in David to help him utilize his time well were these very things. Acknowledge that you have times, but also acknowledge that you have a God who knows your times. He's not oblivious. He didn't check out on you. Get to know better the hands of the one who knows your times. Remind yourself of your life that's in his hands, that's being watched over and cared for. And then trust his timing. Trust his timing. Have you ever prayed for God to act quicker than He did? Right? It's not a problem with that. Unless I'm starting to take things into my own hands. Move away from trust in God. And we've prayed that often about many things. Move now. Act now. Would you do this now? Uh, and sometimes He does. More often than not, it seems to be a period of waiting before God acts and moves. Can we trust His timing? 
Can we trust His timing? So we all have times. We've acknowledged that this morning. We all have access to hands. We've acknowledged that this morning. Really what I'm just asking is, are you going to trust your times into His hands while you wait for His timing?